Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. This week's stirring message comes from Senior Associate Pastor, Dr. Eli Morris. This weekend, we are looking at the ancient city of Jericho. And the story begins with God grabbing a minute with the great Hebrew leader, Joshua. You may first remember Joshua as one of the 12 spies that Moses sent into the promised land to scope it out and to bring back a report. Ten of the spies said, no way, we'd get slaughtered if we go in there, let's don't do it. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go, let's go. And Joshua became a great leader and a great military mind for God's people. And so one day, he received this message. God would like to have a word with you. Now, how does God speak to you? Generally, God speaks to me through Scripture and through what I might call the whispers of the Holy Spirit in my heart. But how does God speak to you these days? It seems a man uh, walked to the top of a hill one day to talk to God, and the man asked God, God, what's, what's a million years to you? And God said, a minute. Then the man said, well, what's a, what's a million dollars to you? And God said, a penny. Then the man asked, uh, God, can I have a penny? <laughs> and God said, sure, give me a minute. <laughs> you get that? Think, like Reuben said, you, you'll get that on the way home. So here's how God spoke to Joshua on that day. Joshua 5, beginning in verse 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. And Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command. Joshua said, what do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Joshua got his marching orders that morning from God. Here's my question for you. Who are you taking orders from? Who are you taking orders from? It's very easy to say, well, God, God, of course, and that well may be true. But sometimes we submit to the authority of other entities in our lives. Sometimes we base life decisions on whatever will make us richer or whatever will make us happier or whatever will make us thinner, whatever it is you want. A couple of verses in Proverbs that really speak to me. The author of Proverbs writes, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? Man, that takes some pressure off, doesn't it? Planning is fine. God's not telling us not to plan. As long as we understand that it's God who directs our steps. Now, like I said, Joshua was a great military leader in his own right. He was the man whom God had chosen to lead his people into the promised land. But on the road to Jericho that morning, he met the one who was greater. The commander was greater than Joshua. 
The commander was greater than Moses, greater than Abraham, greater than King David. And, 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 and Joshua asked him a logical question. But maybe it was the wrong question. He asked this commander of God's army, he asked if he was on their side or the side of the enemy. And you remember what the commander said? He said what? Neither. There are a number of times in the Old Testament where it's believed by many scholars that the pre-incarnate Christ appeared, that Jesus showed up in the Old Testament. You may remember when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fiery furnace, that King Nebuchadnezzar looked into that furnace and he saw four figures walking through the fire. That, that may have been Jesus. It may have been Jesus who, who, who stopped Abraham from thrusting his knife into his son Isaac. This commander on the Jericho Road may just be Jesus. And so the question to the commander may not be whose side are you on, but rather Joshua should be asking himself, am I on the side of the Lord? Because that's where we want to find ourselves, right? Psalm 31 says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. So God wants to have a word with you. God still desires a dialogue with his people. What else? God wants us to trust his wisdom. Now, the Bible is filled with people who did not trust the wisdom of God. Adam and Eve thought their idea of taking fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a better idea than God's wisdom to not. Moses he thought his idea of striking the rock to bring forth water was a wiser move than God's instruction to speak to the rock. A few weeks ago, we talked about the people of Babel and their super idea to build a tower up into the living room of God. How'd that turn out? I'll tell you exactly how it turned out. I failed Spanish in college. You can trace it back to that chapter. <laughs> but for every one of those guys, there's always a Noah, there's a Daniel, there's a Gideon, and in this instance, a Joshua who's not trying to outthink God, but rather to follow him. And in the case of the men I just mentioned, what God placed on these people to do was odd at best. It was strange. Noah was to build this gigantic boat, which made zero sense. God asked Gideon to take 300 men to fight 135,000 Midianites. But I must say, he did arm them with trumpets <laughs> and torches and clay pitchers. And, of course, Daniel spends the night in the lion's den. And what was all this rigmarole God had Joshua doing? I mean, am I reading this right? Joshua 6.1. You and your fighting men, okay, your fighting men, should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you to march around the town seven times. But this time, the priests blow their horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. 
Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. And Joshua did just that. And the walls came down. So why do we challenge God's wisdom? Why do you and I challenge God's wisdom? Well, I think there could be a number of reasons. First of all, like I said earlier, we could be taking orders from someplace else, right? We, we may not be on the same wavelength as God. Our mindset may be to follow the authority of that someone or something that has captured us, be it money, be it sex, be it power, or whatever else it might be. And we may not feel that we're challenging God's wisdom at all. We're just, we're just taking orders from someplace else. Or maybe it's this. God's wisdom seems illogical. God's wisdom seems illogical. I mean, how silly is it to march around a city, blow a trumpet, and scream, expecting walls to fall to the ground? It's illogical. Many of you have heard Pastor Rufus's story of coming to hope. It made no sense to him to move. No sense. He was born and raised in Houston, Texas. He loved Houston. His church was thriving. They'd just gone through a building program. He was a chaplain of the Houston Rockets. He's got the biggest shoe you've ever seen in your life in his, in his <laughs> office. This is an aside. Dikembe Mutombo played for them. That joker is like half his leg turned up. It's so big. <laughs> he was doing great. He, uh, Rufus and, and the church, Sea of Refuge, had started a very popular Christian school, and yet he surrendered to God's wisdom, not his own. Why else might we challenge God's wisdom? Sometimes we think that the cost of trusting God's wisdom is too high. We count the cost. We count the cost, and in our spiritual, emotional, or physical math, the cost is too high. Trusting God and trusting his wisdom will cost me too many of my friends. Trusting God's wisdom will be a career killer for me. Trusting God's wisdom will alienate me from my family. What if Noah, Gideon, Daniel and Joshua had, had done a risk analysis on what was before them. Well, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about them thousands of years later. And in the case of Noah, none of us would even be here, right? There's another reason that we sometimes find it hard to trust in God's wisdom. One word, pride. Pride. You, you realize that Joshua was the man, right? He was the man. He was the man that God had personally selected to lead the Hebrew people into the promised land after Moses disqualified himself with the whole strike the, strike the rock fiasco. Okay? He was a warrior. He was not the kind of guy who would draw up plans to circle a fortified city several times and blow some trumpets and scream. You would think that personal pride would prevent him from carrying out God's orders. Yet he never hesitated. My, my dear dad's favorite verse was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Anytime I think of him, I think about this verse. Trust in the Lord 
with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Here's another reason we sometimes neglect God's wisdom. Folks, trust is hard. Trust is hard. And here's one of the main reasons trust is hard for us. We have trusted people, and they have let us down. We trusted our boss to do what she said she would do regarding our job. We trusted our spouse to be faithful. We trusted the church or the school to keep our children from sexual predators. And we are to trust the wisdom of God. Yes. We need to remember that our boss is not God. Our spouse is not God. The church is not God. Psalm 146 says this, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. So God would like to have a word with us. God wants us to trust his wisdom. One more thing. God calls for our obedience. God calls for our obedience. Pay attention to Joshua here. The, the commander of God's army, maybe Jesus, maybe not, doesn't matter. Certainly the representative of God the Father has laid out the details to Joshua about walking around the city. Once a day for six days on the seventh to circle the city seven times with the priest blowing the horns, scream, all that. Then he says this, when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Here's the money shot of this passage for me. Here's the money shot, the very next verse. So Joshua called together the priests and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assigned seven priests to walk in front of it each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. The commander gave his orders, and immediately Joshua obeyed. The, the, the whole walking and trumpets and shouting and walls falling are secondary to me. This is no story without Joshua's obedience. It's not a story without Joshua doing what he was told to do. I've got a great relationship with all my grandchildren. In fact, here's a picture, by the way, from last week. That's a good life right there. I have a special relationship with my grandkids. We are silly. We tease. But if I call out to my grandkids to protect them, there is no hesitation on their part. Dell, stop! And she freezes. She trusts my wisdom. And so she obeys. 
How much wiser is God the Father? So what are the benefits of obedience? I love this first one, peace. Peace. When I was growing up, there was never a more peaceful place than being in right relationship with my parents. There was no more peaceful place. Now, I know that none of our parents are God, that none of our parents are perfect. Your, your, your horrible mom or dad may totally cancel out this illustration. But for me and for my brother, there was never a more peaceful place than being in right relationship with our parents. There was no angst. There was no guilt. There was no fear. Now, there was sometimes anger. When my will didn't coincide with their will, I could be angry. But in my obedience, I would find peace. And isn't, isn't that what we're all looking for in life? Peace? I mean, isn't, isn't that what you're looking for? Obedience leads to peace. In obedience, we, we also find purpose. We're talking about Joshua tonight because in his unfailing obedience, he found his purpose. He was in the right place at the right time to bring glory to God. Same with Jesus, right? Jesus obeyed the Father in the garden, right? But understand this caveat. In Jesus' case, there was a cost to his obedience. Jesus' obedience to the Father cost him his life, right? Not my will, but yours be done. His peace and purpose were delayed, but three days later, all of creation, all of humankind has the opportunity to benefit from his obedience to purpose. One more benefit to obedience. In our obedience, we are often treated to a front row seat to a miracle. You ever had a front row seat to anything? I, 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 I've, I've had a, a couple. Both were kind of flukes, actually. I had a front row seat on the floor to a grizzly game. It was amazing. Those people are huge. <laughs> uh, Shaq was still playing, and he played that night. 7-1, 325-plus. It was so hard for me to believe that he and I are of the same species, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a different thing. I also had a front row seat to a performance of Les Mis in New York. I will never forget it. I wept the whole show. I was overwhelmed and overcome by it all. When we as Jesus followers, hear me, live in trusting obedience to God, which is not the easiest thing in the world, but when we do, we open ourselves up to seeing this earthly journey as an adventure. Now our peace and our purpose may be delayed at points like Jesus's was. But when it's all said and done, when we trust and when we obey our lives and the lives around us are transformed. 
If you don't believe me, try it out yourself. You don't have to believe me. Try it out for yourself. Let's pray together. Father, I'm, I'm way much more like... Uh, Much more like Adam and Eve and Moses messing up. I'm, I'm really much more like those guys. But I think, I think God, there were Gideons and Noahs and Daniels and Joshuas that I can at least look to and say, okay, that's the way I should have done it. That's the way I could have done it. And that's the way I need to do it from now on. Father, at great risk of sounding overly simplistic. If we trust in you and we obey you, our lives will be dramatically different. Give us the strength and give us the wisdom to do just that, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openeisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.